I believe that now is the time. I believe that now is the time. I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about next week. I... You see, I've come into a place in my life where I'm tired of waiting. I think I said it a couple weeks ago, I am sick and tired of we're on the launching pad. I'm tired of we're about to blast off. I'm tired of us thinking that we need one more revival. We need one more service. We need one more person in the sanctuary. We need one more sermon. We need one more touch from Brother Hoosie Watson. We need one more super duper whooper whopper preacher to come by. I am tired. Of needing one more thing to happen. When the truth of the matter is, the reason we don't walk in victory is we don't want to give up one more thing. The truth of the matter is, we would rather set an expectation than walk in responsibility. You see, there is a responsibility to the blessing. God is a God of the moment. We spend too much time in the past. Oh, I remember when this, that, or the other. Oh, I remember God moving this, that, or the other. Well, I got news for you. You still carry the same weight today you carried then. I remember great anointings and great times of shouting and emotional outbursts. I got news for you. I love to shout. I love the emotional, but the emotional ain't going to change anything. I believe it's time now that we quit looking to the past. God is a God of now. We spend too much time looking to the future. Oh, there's going to come a day. The woman at the well said there's going to come a time when the Messiah will come and he will tell us all the things we need to know. And Jesus looked at her and said, quit looking down the road. I'm right here. We Need to quit war- we need to quit hoping that something will change in the future because now is the time. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to preach four sermons in this series, one this morning, one tonight. And then the last son- two weeks from now, I'm going to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night, two more sermons in this series. We're going to talk about now's the time to get your miracle. We're going to talk tonight about now's the time to change your life. And then we're going to talk in two weeks. We're going to talk about now is the time 
for the Holy Ghost. And then we're going to end it with now is the time to praise him. And, and I believe that God is going to pour into our lives an expectation of now. Now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, now. This morning, I'm going to preach. Today is the day for a miracle. Today, now, right this moment is the time for your miracle. Open your Bibles with me this morning. Amen. Mark chapter 3, verse number 1. It says this. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is it a day to save a life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now and I thank you and I praise you for your power. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to send your victory, send your mercy, and send your grace. Lord, I want you to allow me to speak this word in a way that's clear and understandable, that we would not look to tomorrow or look back to yesterday, but we would walk in the miracle of God's power today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I begin to look at this passage of Scripture, I begin to look at the words that of this story. I begin to see that Jesus was standing in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was in the house of God on the Sabbath. I got news for you. I'm going to preach to the choir just for a second here. We think that we can't have victory because we're hurting or we're this or we're that. And for some reason we think when times are going bad, that's the time not to go to church. Now I know I'm preaching to those of you that are here. I know there's a few watching on online. But I got news for you. When there's a hurt in your life, the place to be is in the house of God. When you get sick, you don't stay home and say, I can't go to the ER. No, you go to the ER. When you get sick, you get out to go to the doctor. When you Need money, you go to work, you go to the bank, 
It amazes me how some people can find their way to work in the middle of a busy time, but they can't find their way to church. It amazes me how some people can find their way to Walmart, but they can't find their way to the house of God. You see, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was there to worship. He was there doing what he needed to do over and over through the Scripture. I could talk about now is the time if you're where you're supposed to be, but you can't get what God has for you if you're not where you're supposed to be. Jesus is standing in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he says, in effect, now is the time. There are laws that say we're not supposed to do things on the Sabbath. There are things that limit the Jewish culture from activity. They they can only go so many steps on the Sabbath. They can't cook on the Sabbath. There, There's so many things they can't do on the Sabbath. And yet God says now is the time. I've brought I've come by here today to tell you in this house today is the day now is the time for your miracle now is the time for your victory some of you are sitting there and you're thinking you don't understand I've been here before I've been down this road before but I've come by to tell you now is a different day than yesterday some of you are here saying I've seen these things and I don't understand how this can happen but I got news for you Now is the time that Jesus is walking into the house and Jesus is saying, I want to do something in your life. I want to do something in your family. I want to do something in your job. I want to do something in your church. There's a few things I notice in this story. As God begins to lay out his path, of life. The first thing that I see is that Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. He noticed a man. I just noticed that noticed is what God did. I just noticed that Jesus noticed me. You see, when I was 16 years old, I went into a service in church that I'd always went to. I went into a service just like I had done many times before. I was happy in that church. There were 13 girls in that youth group and only one other boy. It was a godly place. I had only at that point dated two of those 13 girls. I had 11 more to go. But Jesus noticed that I was there. And when Jesus noticed me, he didn't need me to notice him. 
See, some of you need to understand that Jesus is coming in the house, and one of these days, he's going to notice you. Here's what it says. It says, too many times, here's what I, I think, too many times we think now is not the time because God does not see our need. God doesn't even know who I am. I'm just a flea on the back of a dog. We walk. Have you ever noticed? I have lived 50 odd years because everyone has been odd. I have lived a little over 50 years now. And you know what I found out? I have yet. And I'm not saying it's never happened, but I haven't noticed it. I have not seen anybody get offended because the cashier at Walmart didn't shake their hand. I've seen us get mad because they didn't service quick enough. I've seen us get upset at waiters and waitresses at restaurants because maybe it took too long to take our order to get our, our, our glass of water, our glass of soda. But yet, I haven't seen anybody going, I ain't going back to that restaurant because they didn't ask me how I was doing. But in the church, in the house of God, one of the most common complaints I hear they didn't shake my hand. They didn't ask me how I was doing. They didn't notice me. Do you understand? We go other places and we don't want people to notice us. But we come into the house of God and we think that if people notice us, it'll be okay. Oh, Pastor, I don't know if you're telling the truth. You need to be around me in Walmart sometime. Yesterday I was walking through Walmart and all of a sudden I heard, and I turned around and there was Dwayne and Jay Bay and little Embry and I said y'all are being too loud in here and they said we know we're just like our pastor And everybody in Walmart was looking. People get embarrassed. We don't want to be noticed at Walmart. But you let us walk in the house of God and we expect everybody to notice we're there. See, here, here's the problem. We understand the need to be noticed. The problem is we think that we need the pastor to notice us or the Sunday school teacher to notice us or the person that sits across the aisle to notice us. But I got news for you. Jesus is in the house of God on the Lord's day and he notices your need. He sees what you don't The Bible here says he noticed a man with a deformed hand. He noticed a man with a deformed hand. He noticed his need. Now see, we want to be noticed in our person, but we don't want to be noticed in our need. But when God walks in, 
He notices your need. He notices. Boy, I got to preach this this way. I can't look at people. You'll think I'm talking to you. He notices your family dysfunction. He notices your emotional distress. He notices your physical ailments that nobody else knows about. He notices your sin that you try to hide. See, now is the time because now is the time that Jesus notices what you need. He notices what you're going through. He notices what you're dealing with. I've come by to tell you today, you can't hide from God. You can't... I've always imagined this picture of the withered hand. And I've always imagined, and I don't know why, but I've always imagined it inside the coat. I think maybe because that withered hand gets stared at. Beth and I understand a little bit about dealing with disability can't tell you how many times my beautiful young wife gets stared at in a wheelchair or in a power scooter at Walmart can't tell you how many times we've heard what she thinks she needs that for she's young and those are the times I'm like Beth get up and step over here Just show them what it means for you to walk. See, people can't look at Beth. One of the big things to to MS is, you look so good. Which she does look good, doesn't she? Oh, man. I'll pay for that. See, what y'all don't understand, I'll pay more for that than some of the other stuff I pulled on her in the pulpit. I'll pay for that more than the rest of it. But, but I know what it's like. And, and I know what it's like to have. So I just imagine this man may have had his hand inside his coat. He didn't want people staring at it. He didn't want it distracting people. It was his cross to bear. It was his struggle. It was his problem. But Jesus noticed it. Jesus noticed what he was trying to hide. I got news for you. When we begin to allow and understand that Jesus notices our need and we begin to realize that there's going to come a time that he's going to pull us up in front of everybody and he's going to say, pull your hand out. Lay your hand up here. Let everybody see what you thought was wrong. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but tell you something. What you're trying to hide what you're trying to keep under wraps, Jesus has already noticed it. He already knows it's here. It's not a surprise to him. It's not a deterrent to him. The next thing I see is that his enemies, I think I see it. Next time thing I see is that my computer just locked up. Dwayne, go help me out. Somebody go help me out. Let's take it to that next slide. The next thing I see is that his enemies watched him closely. His enemies watched him closely. 
when we begin to understand that Jesus' enemies came in and watched him closely. The Bible says that the Pharisees watched him. They wanted, they wanted to find reason. My computer is going crazy here. They wanted to find reason to accuse him. They wanted to find reasons that they could try to kill him. And they thought that we want to watch him closely because if he tries to heal on the Sabbath, we got him. If he tries to heal on the Sabbath day, then then we can attack him. Then we can try to kill him. Then we can try to destroy him. His enemies watched him closely. Can I tell you, somebody else has noticed your situation? The enemy has noticed your situation. The enemy knows what you're going through. The enemy knows what's happening in your life. The enemy understands and knows what's going on. And if we do not walk in faith, we begin to lose power. We begin to lose victory. If we do not understand that the enemy wants to stop everything God wants to do, we start listening to the enemy. You know what the enemy says? The enemy says things like this. Keep that hand hid. Because how? How? Can you be somebody of power in God if you're sick? How can you preach about divine healing if your wife has a disease? How can you walk in victory if financially you're a, you're a mess? How? Can you have the word of God if your family is in turmoil? And the enemy is saying, let me hinder you. Let me find ways to stop you. Jesus understood that his enemies were looking at him. He understood that his enemies were watching him. I got news for you, church. Our enemy is watching us. They're enemy is not only watching us the enemy is watching him the enemy is watching him now when the enemy watches us the enemy is trying to convince us what we can and can't have oh you're not good enough for that you're not spiritual enough for that now is not the time That's not God's words. That's the enemy's words. But can I tell you what's happening when the enemy is watching him? The enemy is watching him because the enemy knows that the enemy can't stop him. The enemy knows that there is nothing that they can do, say, their presence is not going to detour Jesus Christ. 
When the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the church folk of those days looked at Jesus as he walked into the synagogue and had noticed this man with a withered hand, they were hoping to find reason to accuse him so they could kill him. You know what they were watching for? They were not watching how can we stop it. They were sitting back going, oh, we know it's going to happen, and that will give us a reason to bring accusation against him because he's working on the Sabbath. They were not, the enemy was not looking to stop him. They were looking to attack him. I got news for you today. Praise God, my video's starting all over back there. I got news for you today. The enemy is watching. The enemy is fighting. Everything he can fight. Oh, last week, let's send people to the hospital. This week, Let's cut out all the electronics. Let's make them all go crazy. I had things going off over here somewhere. I got videos going off back there. I got control of my notes disappearing. I mean, oh, let's see what they can do with this. Let's see what we can do with that. The enemy tries to challenge us. But he's setting back. How's God going to bring him through? Now, now we can see if they truly trust God. Because we know God is able. We can't stop him. We have to fight and affect the man with the withered hand. We have to be in a situation that the best we can do is accuse Christ. And discourage the man. You ever thought about it from the man with the withered hands view? He's about to be made an example of God's power. At the cost that Jesus, that they would begin to plot to kill Jesus. You ever done something and somebody got hurt because of something you did? Or something that happened to you. You ever you ever move something and somebody tripped over it? You ever spilt something and somebody slipped on what you spilt? Oh, so sorry. This man's about to get the healing of his life. And the next verse says, and from that day on they plotted to kill him. Because of what he did for this man... Now the man who healed him is going to be killed. See, the enemy can only work out here. He can attack your confidence. He can attack your faith. And then when the healing comes, he can attack, try to attack God. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. The enemy was watching closely. I love as the enemy watches closely. Go on that next slide. Next thing I see, Jesus calls the man up and he says, has him standing in front of everybody. Now Jesus isn't the only one noticing him. 
Everybody's noticing him. Mm, that's not a fun place to be. See, it, it, it's not fun to be called up. Sarah, come here. Won't you stand right here? See, look, look at them. Don't look at me. Look at them. Sarah is a preacher and an evangelist. And she's got a mighty call on her life. But Sarah also has this thing. She likes to be hidden. She like look at that look. See that look? She likes to be like behind the walls. She don't want, you know, she doesn't want to be out there in front of everybody. You know, I, I, I told her today that we were going to do pastor's prayer. And I said, but if you need prayer, you get prayer first. And then you help me pray. And she went, oh, 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 oh. sort of like that. Oh, no, 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 no. You know what happened? Sarah, I did pastor's prayer. And if I remember right, I called for those that had a physical need, spiritual need, emotional need, financial need, or relational need. And Sarah went and helped other people pray behind everybody's back. See, she gave me that look already. When I know for a fact that when I talked to her before church, you know what she said? I got a headache. And it's killing me. Now, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm showing you what it's like. Pull somebody up in front. May have had that hand hid in their coat. Had that headache hid behind. And say, listen, is today a day for doing evil? Is it the day to hide Is it the day to Is it the day to say I'll power through my need? I'll take me a couple aspirin, I'll be okay. When we're in the house of God, Jesus was not just talking to his enemies, he was talking to the man with the withered hand. Is today the day? To put it off and say, well, it's the Sabbath. I can't get my healing today. I'm in the house of God with the Son of God, but I can't get my healing today. It's my, mm, it's my time to do my ministry. It's my time to do my job. It's my time to do this, to do that, to do the other. And Jesus pulls him up in front of everybody and reads his mail, much as I've been doing for the last couple minutes. Now, part of it was for the enemy to understand and see, hey, there's a need here. But part of it was for the man because he needed to understand that now is the time. Lord, a miracle is coming. 
understand a miracle that she can't fathom. Lord, not because she's here during a sermon, not because she's here doing her ministry, but because, Lord, here you have seen the needs of her heart. Lord, the needs that I don't even know about, Lord, you see them and heal them right now in Jesus. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Today is not a day for doing evil. Can I take that one step further? In case you guys don't know this, I'm not blind. Okay? I know we got six people at Senior Adult Retreat. But I also look around, there's a lot of empty chairs in this place. And I look around and I see worship leaders and Sunday school teachers and council members and ministry team leaders and, and prayer, prayer leaders. And I see that, that we're, we're at a place on a Sunday morning where we, we probably got 50 to 60% of the people in this room right now have some kind of job in the church. That number one, that's rare. It, it, it's cool, but we can get depressed and we can get down. Because you know what I think the other problem is? I got sixty. I, I probably got sixty percent or more of you in here right now that have ministry uh, uh, obligations in our church, but you got emotional issues, spiritual issues, physical issues, financial issues. And you haven't gotten your answer because you think today is the day for doing ministry. This ain't the day to doing ministry. This is the day for miracles. This is the time that we quit worrying about what our position is. And we start worrying about what our position is. What I mean by that is, I'm not worried about my position, but I'm worried about my position. Am I doubled over in pain? My position before the Lord needs healing. Am I crippled with fear? My position in the Lord needs a deliverance. We need to quit worrying about how it looks and start saying, God, it's not a day for doing evil. But this is a day for life. This is the time. Oh, pastor, I can't go to the altar. I can't get prayed for. Sorry, Sarah, I, you, you just fit in, so I'm just having to use you. You'll yell at me later. Uh, I can't go and have pastor pray for me in pastor's prayer time because I'm, I'm one of the ones that helps him pray. I've got to do my ministry before I can get my healing. I can't let God change my life because I got to lead a song. I can't let God bring victory into my exhausted spirit because I got to get up and preach my sermon first. I'm telling you, it's high time that we put our ministries and our jobs second to God's touch in our life.
It is not a day for doing evil. It is not a day for doing, for, for doing our job. It is a day for letting God do whatever he wants to do in our life. It is our day for letting God come in and give us a miracle. Now is the time. Then the Bible says that Jesus looked angrily around and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Jesus was both angry and sad. Picture this, Jesus up there, he's got the man with the withered hand standing next to him and he looks around and he goes, they don't care. They don't get it. Can I be transparent? See, I didn't ask to be honest. I'm going to be honest anyway. But can I be transparent? Can I be clear? My wife said, no, better not. You know how many times I've went home on Sunday afternoons? I said, they don't get it. They don't get it. I got up here a couple weeks ago and I preached my heart out. <laughs> Thought it was funny. I made a statement in the sermon. I'm tired of hearing that's a good sermon, but you don't change anything. Tired of everybody. Oh, that was good preaching. You stepped on our toes, Pastor. Thank you. That was what we needed. But then you go and keep doing whatever you've been doing. I want you to know not one person said anything about that being a good sermon. Finally, somebody said something about it. And I said, well, nobody else has said anything about being good. And they sort of looked at me and said, yeah, I guess I did tell them not to, didn't I? There, there are times I understand where Jesus is at. When you look around and people may even be saying amen or hallelujah. Or sometimes they're just looking at you like, what is wrong with him? Jesus looked angrily around. But something changed. As he looked, they don't get it. They're not paying attention. The Bible says he grew deeply sad at their hard hearts. All of a sudden, he understood that the reason they wasn't getting it wasn't because they were just stubborn. It's because their hearts had grown so cold. You know why we don't have now miracles? Because we're cold. You know why we don't have the sick being raised up? Because we're cold. We pick and choose what we think God can do. We'll handle the rest. I, oh, 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 I, I, I can go to the doctor for that, or I can take a pill for that, or I can do that. I can do that. Or we make statements like I've made. There's nothing they can do about neuropathy. I guess I'll just have to learn to live with it. Duh. Jesus looks angrily at me, and then his heart grows sad. 
Because my heart, the pastor, the preacher, has gotten so hard that I don't even think God can heal me. Throw our hands up. We can't do nothing about it. Everybody's leaving the church and we can't do nothing about it. Yes, we can. Now is the time for revival. Now is the time for a miracle. I'm going to tell you, God starts doing some physical miracles in the house. This place is going to fill up. Because when the word gets out that a now God is here physically healing people, I promise you every sick, lame, and blind person in the county is going to show up. That'd be great. You know what would be greater? When a now God starts healing broken hearts. And all of a sudden... Every lost and hurting person looking for something special in their life start flooding into our church to find the love of Jesus Christ. Truth is, I believe we can have them both. We need to quit being who God looks at angrily and sadly. We need to quit causing sadness in God's heart. We need to quit causing God to look at us and say, how long will they waver between two opinions? Oh, we want to serve God. God, you are master. You are savior. You are everything as long as you do it my way. God, I want you to be my God as long as I'm in charge. Don't work that way. Jesus was angry and sad. Can I tell you the truth? I'm afraid that's the way he looks at us. Angry. That he's given us such power, such anointing, such mercy, and such grace. And sad that we won't grab a hold of it. That we won't trust it. That we won't believe in it. Then the Bible says that he told the man, stretch out your hand. Again, I've always pictured the hand inside his coat. Stretch out your hand. I don't believe he pulled a withered hand out and it turned clean. I believe he pulled a clean hand out and was astonished. The healing, I think, was already done. I'm not sure that the healing didn't happen when Jesus noticed it. That hand was hidden. Couldn't be seen yet. The man didn't notice it. But all of a sudden, whoa. 
when he pulled that hand out, it was whole. It was complete. See, church, the only way we can walk in our victory is to pull out what's withered. The only way we can walk in victory. Me and Beth have this conversation all the time. Because I'm going to another conversation we had before that, dear Lord, I, should, I could go back. If I could go back in time, I'd slap both of us. But we have this, we have this conversation all the time. When God's moving and she feels that, and there's been several cases she feels that, I need to stand up. I need to take a step. You know what happens to Pastor Tommy? Pastor Tommy turns into caregiver Tommy. He runs over and grabs her arm. Ooh, oh, I got, ooh. Oh, don't fall, don't lose. Somebody get with her. JB, get over there. Don't let her fall down. We don't. Pull it out and see the victory. I'll tell you the other thing that we did 10 years ago, actually 11 years ago, she was diagnosed with MS, and unless you knew it, you didn't know it. In those days, she walked a little slow, but she didn't even need a cane. And we made a stupid statement. Well, if God heals you right now, nobody's going to realize it. We believe God will wait until it's obvious. 11 years later, it's obvious, folks. I'm starting to say, hey, God, we can see it now. Let God heal you whenever he wants to heal you. Man with a withered hand could have said, no. I need to keep my hand hidden. You can heal me when my arm's gone. He said, no. Pull it out, and there was victory. There's vi We live in a day and age. As I said at the beginning, we want God, we want people at church to notice us as long as nobody notices us. I come to this church every week. My feet hurt. My hip hurts. I can go through a whole list of aches and pains. But I walk in and go, Greetings and salutations, hello, howdy's house and all, good jazz in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I'm masking my need. We walk in this place, we shake each other's hand, and we say things like, I'm blessed. It's all good. Doing okay. I'm, yeah, God's got this. And yet we refuse. 
to bring our need to an altar. And let the one who noticed us allow us to notice what he's done. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. We've got to let it happen. We've got to let it happen. There are people in this room right now that you've got needs. I'm not doing pastor's prayer again, but some of your needs are physical. Some of your needs are spiritual. Some of your needs are emotional. They're financial. They're relational. You've got situations that you put a smile over the top of. You've hidden them. But God sent me by today to tell you that he has, he has noticed you. The enemy is watching you. And all you've got to do is stretch forth your hand. Take a step of faith. My dad tells me the night he got saved, he was sitting on the back row of the church on a Sunday night. Said when the preacher gave the altar call, somebody came back to him and said, it's time for you. Said when he finally gave in, he got out of his seat. He's told me this a thousand times. He said, Tommy, I didn't get saved when I prayed prayer in the altar. He said, but when I got in the aisle, God had saved me before I ever got to the altar. When I stepped out, I don't know what your need is. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I, I've been your pastor almost eight years. I know a lot about a lot of people. I know personalities. I know situations. That's part of the job of being a pastor. But I can't see your spirit. I can't see your heart. But I know this. I know the answer to whatever you're going through. And I know it's a Sunday morning. We're supposed to get out of here so we can go eat so that we can so that we can get ready for church on the square and it's a big day and it's a busy day and blah 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 blah. But Jesus says, I've noticed you. And now is the time for your miracle. Physical miracle healing, yeah. Emotional miracle rest and comfort and peace, yeah. Spiritual miracle, salvation, baptism in the Holy Ghost, uh, spiritual touch, yes. Relational uh, uh, miracle of, of families coming together, yes. Financial miracles that you can't seem to make ends meet, but all of a sudden God provides, yes. God wants to meet your need, but you've got to stretch out your hand. I'm not calling anybody to the piano. We're not looking for an emotional touch. We're looking for a supernatural touch. If you've got a need, I want you to come to the front of this church right now. It's your act of reaching out your hand. And I'm going to pray for you. 
and God's going to do something. I know there's more of you than that. You're trying to you're trying to argue with God right now. Well, I don't really need to. I don't. Let me talk to you. Quit crying. Quit whining and get up here.
I want to encourage you to be back tonight at Silver Moon Plaza at 6 o'clock and uh, bring a lawn chair. We'll have a few chairs out there. There's some picnic benches, but bring a lawn chair with you. If you don't normally come on Sunday night, come anyway. Um, now is the time. Now is the time. And I believe that God is going to do something special. Make sure you bring a coat, especially if you're cold-natured, bring a coat. Uh, I may wear a T-shirt because I'm always hot. So, uh, But uh, um, shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody to love them, everybody, God loves them, you're dismissed.